Welcome into the Midwest Swing Podcast. I am your host, DC Hendricks. Very excited for this week's episode. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. Go ahead and make us one of your favorites and keep up with everything we got going. And go ahead and scroll on down and leave us a review and let us know what you are thinking, whether you're a fan or you're not a fan. Things you want to change. But either way, we are talking Midwest League. And we got a great guest, two great guests coming on the podcast this week. We got Jonathan Mayo from MLB Pipeline, MLB Network, joining us later on to kind of recap the 2023 MLB draft. And we're also going to talk a little MLB trade deadline as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that and focus on the Midwest League teams in particular and see if we might have any new players joining the Midwest League and have a little fun with him. But first, I got to get caught up on everything West Michigan. Got to talk about the Whitecaps. Been doing some great things. And I am joined by someone that I've been trying to get on the podcast for a while. It is the one and only Nathan Wangler joining us on the podcast. Nathan, thanks for coming on. Yeah, yes, sir, DC. I know it's uh, it's been a long time in the works. You and I talked about it earlier. We've been playing a little phone tag, but <laughs> finally get the opportunity to come on and obviously plenty to cover when it comes to the Caps and the Tigers and what they've done over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And a team that's been playing some good ball and some players in particular that have been doing some great things. A couple players of the week. Talk about some players that have been killing it for West Michigan. Well, so, you know, we can talk about the prospects, but there's a lot of different players that I, I think are worth noting. Um, you know, first off, we can talk about Carlos Pena. I think yep. he's been one of the most welcomed additions to our pitching staff. And if you don't know anything about Carlos Pena, he's, he's under six foot. He's not huge. Um, he's an international. He was an international free agent when we signed him. Um, but he's been one of our best pitchers easily. So went on the road in South Bend, not only won Midwest League player of the, or pitcher of the week, also won Midwest League Pitcher of the Month, but in two starts in South Bend with 10 innings, eight strikeouts, one run, um, and he was just dynamite. And this is the type of pitcher that he has basically in April. You know, his numbers look very similar to what they are now, but they're kind of starting to round back into form. And the interesting thing about, you know, Scott Harris and the new regime, I think what you're looking for is not just are the prospects doing well, but how, what are they able to get out of the players that maybe aren't necessarily on that top 30? Are they able to find any gems you know, within the system that aren't necessarily ranked by any of the main publications? And I think when you look at maybe some of the dark horses on this Whitecaps team, Carlos Pena is, is 100% one of them. So I, I think I would keep your eyes out for him. I think he's been a really welcomed addition to our offense. Um, you know, Some other notes, though, We've had so many different promotions, and when you look at the overall record, we're still well within striking distance of potentially winning the Midwest League East Division. I know Fort Wayne right now pacing the division, and Mm -hmm. they've done an outstanding job specifically against us. Um, But, you know, we're right in the hunt, but the big reason why it's been tough to really get a good overall record and just get on a winning streak is because of all the roster movement. And I, I think that's the difficult thing about minor league baseball is, yes, results matter, Winning and losing matters, but I think what matters, you know, maybe a little bit more than that is, are you getting your players developed to the point to where they can move up? And the, and the fact is, is that we have uh, Chris Myers, who was a big hitter for us uh, earlier this season, uh, led the team in home runs for a stretch. He went up to Double A Erie. He had a two homer game last night. Um, Jace Young, who was you know tied for the lead or had the lead in home runs in the Midwest League, was fourteen before he was promoted up to double-A Erie. He had a game-tying RBI single last night. He had a two-hit game the night before. 
Um, Danny Soretti was one of our best defenders. I mean, just pure defenders in terms of his range and, and his IQ um, on the defensive side, who also led us in multi-hit games and batting average. He's up in double-A. Justice Bigby, who was huge for us, um, as well as a couple of different pitchers. Tyler Madison, Jack O'Loughlin, who was really good. He had the longest scoreless streak um, of any pitcher for West Michigan. So I know I just listed off a lot of names for you, but we've had a lot of roster movement. But that's a good thing. It, it means that we're developing these players. And I think, you know, even in the short amount of time, I know we've only had Scott Harris for really half of a season so far, but you can tell there are certain little things that have been put in place by him that have really helped these players kind of bloom. So, yes, we're still within striking distance of the Midwest League East Division, but me personally being a fan of players and getting to meet these guys, I've been really pleased uh, with how they've, they've developed, developed and how they've moved up uh, really frequently this season. Yes, a lot of great names that have been doing some great things for the West Michigan Whitecaps. And you talked about roster movement, and I know it was just a couple of days ago. I mean, the top prospect, I'm a big guy that focuses on prospects. And you guys, just a couple of days ago, debut for Jackson Job. I know a lot of talk about him and a lot of hype on, in the Tigers organization about him. Yeah, and we're happy to have him back. And, you know, that was the big concern. And I don't blame Tigers fans for, you know, back when we picked them over Marcelo Mayer. Mm-hmm. The big concern was was injuries. And, you know, the thing is, D.C., I feel like with pitchers nowadays, it's inevitable. You know, it's it's not if they're going to get hurt. It's typically when they're going to get hurt and how long are they going to be out. And that's what a lot of people's hesitation when it comes to young pitchers, specifically drafting them as high in the draft is, Tigers did, um, you know, what? what is going to happen? Can you rely on him to be available and make an impact right away? And, and the fact is, is that Joe did. Uh, his last three starts of last year were with us. Uh, he was outstanding through all three of those starts and really impressed. And so the expectation for him, and I think for Tigers fans, was that he would start the year here and then maybe at this point be up in double-A. But you know, had that back injury, some back stiffness during the off season. Had to work his way back through low A, which he did outstanding, by the way. 18 innings, 24 strikeouts during his stretch down in low A Lakeland, and ERA right around two. Um, and he actually got to meet up with the media yesterday, and he said that. You know, he's like, I, I was, you know, I didn't have any problems in the low A ranks. The only frustrating thing was he felt like he was ready to come up here sooner. Um, the only thing is, is, you know, they love to slow play those rehabs because they don't want to force anyone back up the ladder, um, specifically when they're not ready to do so. But it seems like Job is, and I'm just excited to see him get back on the mound. I, I truly think he's going to make a great part of that rotation in Detroit at some time soon. The only question really is the timeline, but I think it's really exciting to see him back and healthy and productive and despite the fact that it might take a little bit longer than some of the other picks maybe in that draft to get up the ladder. Um, you know, obviously we've seen the success that Marcelo Mayer's been having with the Boston Red Sox, but he is, he's still, his stuff is, is some of the best in the system. And, and specifically it's his slider. And if you ever watch him play, you know, we talk a lot about RPMs and, and some of the measurements that go into what makes a pitcher great. Uh, that's one of the best pitches in the entire Tigers minor league system, wow. that slider. And, He's been able to get a lot of hitters on it, and I think it's just not just the fastball, but his stuff and his command 
that really makes him a good pitcher, and, and also the maturity. And I think I saw that in the interviews yesterday. Just being, you know, 20 years old, his ability to handle interviews and, and answer questions, I think they, they did it right with Joe because he's a mix of, he's not only mature, but he's doing the thing that Scott Harris wanted out of his pitchers when he was first picked up, and that was dominate the strike zone. And he's been doing exactly that. Yeah, looking at the standings, you mentioned the Fort Wayne Syncaps still leading the Midwest League East with a 16-11 and 11 record, Dayton Dragons 15-12, and 12, Great Lakes Loons 14-12, and 12, a Lake County captain's team that is uh, 7-3 and three in the last 10 and playing some good ball and in a series right now with Beloit Skycarp. Um, and West Michigan, as you mentioned, 12-15, and 15, and the Lansing Lugnuts 11-16 and 16 to round out the standings right now. But, you know, moving moving ahead and moving along, you know, I want to focus a little bit more on your broadcasting crew because you guys have had a big year I'm making headlines. And, not a, and on top of that, <laughs> if that isn't enough, making Sports Illustrated, MLB Network released their midseason awards, MLB <laughs> Network. And while every other award went to a major league team, there's one minor league team that gets the recognition with uh, with their awards. So uh, go ahead and talk about exactly what how the West Michigan Whitecaps are affiliated with that. Uh, it's surreal, uh, completely surreal. <laughs> um, I know you're referring to uh, the Masters clip that we did back in <laughs> April, and 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 the the fact is is you know the internet DC it, it's a weird place, and I think you know this. Uh, everybody else that's heavily involved in social media. Sometimes you just do something that you think is funny. You think it might pick up a couple of likes, and then all of a sudden it catches steam, and before you know it, it it's one of the best things that you've ever sent out. Um, and I think that was the case with that. You know, between Dan and I, we kind of sat down and we talked over exactly what that would look like, and we knew it would be a funny bit, but we just didn't know how it would come together. So the initial idea was we were going to do it for a half inning. Um, but then, you know, we thought, okay, that might be a little bit much. That might be too long. How can we, you know, knock it down and, and make it fit within a certain window and still be entertaining? And then we decided on, well, let's just do it for one AB. And the fact is, is that it, it all lined up perfectly. Um, the fact it was a long AB, so we got to play the music over a stretch of time and, and, and really get some good analysis in there and get some funny lines in there. Um, the double up against the wall, mind you, it was for the tin caps, so not good news in that way. But mm-hmm. I think the ending to it was perfect. Um, our production crew did a great job cutting back to our booth and kind of getting our reactions and, and, and seeing us struggle to stay in character during that whole time. But um, it all just kind of lined up perfectly to where when we sent it out, and the timing too, because the Masters was going on at the same time, that it, it, it picked up steam and, you know, it, it was, yeah, be, between Sports Illustrated and the Daily Mail and then hearing Matt Vasquez and someone that I grew up listening to, obviously the voice of MLB The Show, um, a game that I play quite a bit. It, it was all, you know, I think it was, it was just, it was cool to finally get the recognition mm-hmm. um, of our booth because, um, you know, despite the fact that that clip went viral, there's a lot of other things that, that we've done up Absolutely. there that, you know, I, I think certainly deserve um, not that level of attention, but but definitely people have appreciated. And yeah, it's just all about keeping it fun. You know, keeping baseball fun, trying to do different things. You know, the, there's a lot of people out there that think you know you could just plug or place two different broadcasters nowadays, and they'll sound exactly the same. No. And our our intent has always to be you know sound different, do some different stuff, have fun with it. 
And the fact is, is you know, that Masters clip was great, but we've done a lot of other things that, that probably, you know, probably were up there in terms of being just as entertaining. I remember we had a game in Lansing that went past midnight one night, and this was back when I was a producer mm-hmm. uh, downtown at Cumulus Media when we were on the radio. And Dan, I remember coming back from break, he said, play some lullaby music. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what? What do you mean by that? He's like, find some lullaby music and and play it, and and we're going to read a bedtime story. And so, him and all of his all of his genius uh, actually found a baseball bedtime story. Nice. So we came back from break. I played the lullaby music, and he read the 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 lull- the bedtime story, and he weaved it in and out of his play by play. Wow. And I, I mean, I was I was crying back in the studio um, <laughs> as we were doing it, but. We were on the radio at the time, and, and it was tough to kind of provide any images to that. Um, it didn't really end up blowing up anywhere on social media, but I think that was just kind of foreshadowing of the moment that we did have in April. And, you know, it, it, like I said, we're just trying to, we're trying to have fun. And the nice thing was is that we transitioned to TV a few years back. So, mm-hmm. you know, you and I both know that, you know, TV and radio are two different ball games, and, oh, yeah. and it kind of allows you to have a little bit more fun with it. So... Um, I'm honored, you know, obviously I was blown away by the attention and the, and the response that it got, but in general, I just think it, it just goes to show the type of booth that we have that, yes, you know what, the game matters, everything else, our, our jobs matter, and we definitely take our jobs seriously, but, it, you know, with where baseball is, and obviously we know where it falls in terms of the popularity when it comes to the major sports, mm-hmm. you have to be willing to kind of step out of that, that comfort zone and do some different stuff. You know, the Savannah Bananas, they're the extreme. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're the complete other side of the spectrum. So we, we, we try not to be exactly like the Bananas, but right. we try to mix in and, and have a little bit of fun. And at the end of the day, it just brings more recognition to the brand. I think it brings more recognition to the Whitecaps and that's what matters a lot to us. If we can put West Michigan on the map like that, that's that's all we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And as a former producer myself for a local radio station, 1380 in Fort Wayne, um, I once did the games for the Fort Wayne 10 caps on the radio. And I, we, we did something similar as well because there's a broadcaster named Mike Moss. Um, and yeah. I, I'm sure you've met him. Um, and yeah, longtime broadcaster. Oh, yeah. And he is – so I'm a big music guy as well outside of – sports and outside of baseball and i'm playing it was 90s night and i'm playing 90s music coming out of the break and he is just they're having a little john nolan was having fun with him like do you know this song and you know obviously mike Miles like no i have no idea what that song is so we we had a lot of fun it literally turned into guess name that tune with Mike Moss live on the radio, <laughs> 90s night, I'm playing Will Smith. I'm playing a little bit of Notorious B.I.G. Anywhere from that oh, to boy. the Spice Girls and back. It was it was crazy, man. But absolutely, <laughs> I, I, can, I can attest, it is definitely a lot of fun on the radio. And you guys do a great job. Obviously, you guys work hard. So, you know, you want the recognition for the hard work that you put in. Probably not for a master's call. But it just it's just a testament to, you know, what you guys do with West Michigan. You guys do a great job. And I think a lot of, you know, it should have been highlighted. So I'm glad that you guys got some recognition. But before I let you go, West Michigan right now, I mean, lay us out for what you guys got coming up over the next week or so. So we got the rest of this series. So we got three more games coming up here against the 10 caps. And, and you know, I don't need I don't need to tell you this. They're three huge games. You know, you just mm-hmm. mentioned the fact that 
we're four games out. And, you know, the, the thing about baseball is sometimes all you need to do is just get hot. You know, Lakeland, uh, not too long ago, the, the low A team below us, you know, they went, they won 12 straight games. So they're right back in the hunt um, after having what was a pretty tough start to the season. So we're, we're still right there. All it takes is just getting, getting on a roll and then seeing what happens down the stretch because we take on Lake County in a six-game home series um, immediately after this. So 12 straight games at home. Um, you know, so if we get on a run, we'll be right back into it. The mm-hmm. only concern for us is, you know, not only can the offense produce, I, I think they can, but mm-hmm. also how will the pitching do? How will the bullpen be able to, to really secure those games? And I think that's been kind of our main concern this year is the offense is, is okay. They'll give us a lead. Um, you know, we'll battle it out to the first five innings, but, you know, just trying to find more consistency, specifically in the back end um, of that bullpen. Because, you know, game one yesterday, we were in it. Uh, you know, we were tied for the majority of it. And then all of a sudden, a three-run home run by Graham Pauly. And, you know, things kind of things kind of slide. And, you know, that's Fort Wayne's made a reputation of hitting a lot of clutch home runs against a lot of good teams so far this year. So, um, I think for us, it's going to be having you know that bullpen be a little bit more consistent. But as you talked about with the infusion of Jackson Job, mm-hmm. um, as well as Spencer Turnbull, who's rehabbing for the Tigers, um, mm-hmm. he'll be back again on Sunday to start that game. I think that's definitely going to help our cause. And obviously, having those long home stands at home really helps out too. And you know, it's interesting. I I never really know how much the crowd impacts the players in terms of their play. But they say it really does matter a lot because it, it delivers you that certain type of energy that you can go out and really produce with. And the fact is, is we've been drawing a lot as of late. You know, had over 8,000 at the game last night. I'm assuming we'll probably have similar numbers for the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, all it takes is just getting on a good run. And the fact is, is that we still have a lot of decent prospects on our team. You know, we're just kind of waiting for the, the, the light to come on, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roberto Campos, who's been an outstanding doubles hitter, he has 21 of them so far on the season. Tigers fans would like to see him hit maybe a few more home runs. He's got five of them. Isaac Pacheco, who's been doing better as of late. Uh, just got Luke Gold, who's a top 30 guy from Boston College. You know, we got a couple of others probably coming up the ladder here soon with the new draft picks. Yep. Uh, Max Anderson, who was a second-round pick out of Nebraska, he got off to a hot start last night, so expect to see him soon. So, like I said, all it takes is one good run, and I definitely think this team has it within them. It's just they got to do the little things correct, which has been kind of the main struggle for West Michigan this year. Yeah, Dayton Dragons team, Fort Wayne Tin Caps still leading in a hot Great Lakes Loons team. So you guys got your work cut out for you, but I, I think if anybody can do it, it's the West Michigan Whitecaps. Been great this season, and I think you guys got a big second half coming. I appreciate you for coming on, Nathan. Great stuff as always. Glad to finally get you on here. Hopefully it was good to you. Absolutely, DC. Appreciate the time talking, and you do a great work with the podcast. I know we've played you a little bit on the pregame show before, but keep it up, and, and we'll certainly give you a mention tonight. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Yes, sir. Catch you later. All right. So joining us now on the Midwest Swing Podcast, talking the Midwest League in minor league baseball. We are pleased to be joined by one person I really respect, especially covering the game of MLB, minor league prospects, MLB Pipeline, the podcast. You hear all his work. You see all his work on MLB Network. It is the one and only Jonathan Mayo joining us right now. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. Always a pleasure to talk prospects and MLB with you. I want to start off, of course, the MLB draft. You know, as we kind of as the dust settles, prospects are signing, draft picks are signing with teams. I want to talk and focus mainly on the Midwest League teams. And I got to start off number three overall pick. We got to start there with the Detroit Tigers. So West Michigan Whitecaps are the minor league team for the Detroit Tigers got Max Clark out of Indiana, by the way. I'm an Indiana native and Max Clark outfielder, right. high school in Indiana. Kind of talk about the Tigers pick with number three with Max Clark. I uh, I love Max Clark. Uh, he may have been my favorite player. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. some familiarity bias. I, I got to know him uh, pretty well starting last summer and leading up to the draft. Uh, he is a very self-confident young man. Uh, I love that the Tigers went bold. I mean, I think you know, had they taken Wyatt Langford, that would have been fine too. He's really good. You know, this was a draft where any of the top five players could have been a number one pick in any other draft. So I think the Tigers got uh, a player who could have been a number one pick. He may be the closest to a true five-tool player uh, from the group at the top of the class. Obviously, he's a high schooler. may take a tiny bit longer than, in, say, Dylan Cruz to, to be ready. Uh, but I also know that he works extremely hard. He plays with uh, a little flair and a little passion. I think Tigers fans are going to love him. You know, West Michigan fans maybe have to wait till 2025, but I also yeah. could see him being the kind of high school hitter who performs his way out of, out of low A and makes it up to the Midwest League before the end of the 2024 season. Yeah, a player that will likely be with West Michigan that I was just told, Nathan Wangler, broadcaster for the West Michigan Whitecaps, was told that second-round pick, 45th overall, the second baseman out of Nebraska, Max Anderson, will be spending a little time possibly with West Michigan. you know anything about Max Anderson? I don't know that much about Max Anderson. I would tell you, Jim Cowles, my colleague, and I split up the country, and Nebraska is, in, as we say, in his mm-hmm. uh, neck of the draft. Uh, but... Uh, you know, he uh, stayed that extra year in Nebraska. Uh, he was the Big Ten freshman of the year in 2021. Uh, he, he's been good at Nebraska. He was good in Cape Cod. Uh, he led the Big Ten in hitting. Uh, this is a guy I think is really going to hit. Um, he's going to need to have learned how to drive the ball a little bit more, but there's bat speed there. So I think there should be power. Uh, he's probably kind of like a I France or a Max Muncy type. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's fine at second base right now. Maybe he can play third. Maybe he goes to first base, um, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world. It's the bat that the Tigers were, were buying there. And I could see why he would go to West Michigan. It's, a, it's an advanced approach. and He's going to hit. I think it's just going to be a matter of how much impact he has. Yeah, and a team that hits already pretty well, he's going to fit right in. And a team that you know, always needs an extra bat in the lineup to keep that going. So also, as we we're talking mainly about the West Michigan Whitecaps four way and 10 cap series going on right now in a race in the Midwest league East, we got to talk about the Saint San Diego Padres who are obviously the MLB team for the Fort Wayne 10 caps now had a late first round pick and didn't have another pick to the third round. And, but the Padres continue their love for high schoolers. Uh, what do you know about some of the Padres picks? Well, Dylan Head is uh, is a really good pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was a guy whose name was kind of mentioned all up and down the back end of the, of the first round. It, it, it's going to probably take him a little while. Uh, you know, complex league this summer, you know, low A next year, I would think 2025 is, is you know, Fort Wayne. Um, but he's got close to top of the scale speed. 
that works on both sides of the ball. He, he's a really good outfielder also on top of the speed. It's not just, oh, I outrun mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he's going to play a really good center field, and he's going to steal a bunch of bases. We need to question how much he impacts the ball, but I think he'll impact the ball enough to be a, 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 a top-of-the-draft kind of guy. Their third-round pick, John Ziel Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Be interesting to see what happens with him. This may be a huge draft steal because he was hurt for a lot of the spring. He had a knee injury, but he's a really good defensive catcher. People haven't seen him hit against competition, so there's a little bit of an unknown there, but I think there's some strength and power, left-handed hit of catchers. And then the, the guy that Fort Wayne could see, I don't know if they'll see him this year, but definitely next year is Homer Bush Jr. I don't know if you remember his dad mm-hmm. played in the big leagues, um, but he played at Grand Canyon University with Jacob Wilson, uh, really interesting upside for, for a college player because he's mostly been about contact and getting on base and running. But there is some power there. He's six foot three. I think he's going to fill out. Uh, I think there's more to come. So it's where they have like a high upside toolsy outfielder. But he, he had a really good uh, junior year at Grand Canyon. Uh, and I think, you know, minus the, you know, the power didn't show up as much as maybe people would have liked. So, again, that may be a really good get. And I think Fort Wayne fans will, they don't see him this summer. They'll see him next year at some point. Yeah, of course I remember Homer Bush. I got a lot of family that, that are from East St. Louis. So, um, definitely right. definitely know a whole lot about Homer Bush. Spent a little time with the Yankees, I know. At least that's how I know mm-hmm. him up. Um, but a team, that, a team that I really wanted to focus on, too, that I think had a lot of steals in this draft. And I had your colleague Sam Dykstra on. Um, to preview the draft and a guy that he was really high on going in was high schooler out of South Brunswick Walker Jenkins the outfielder that went number five to the Minnesota Twins now the Midwest League teams Cedar Rapids Colonels definitely get a possibly get a big one with that obviously a high schooler that they probably won't get for a while but Minnesota Twins starting off with the bang with the fifth pick Walker Jenkins yeah, that was a really interesting point in the draft uh, because there was a lot of, there was a lot of buzz at the Twins you know, they use their, every team uses a model of some sort, mm-hmm. but they will often lean very heavily on their model. So there was sort of talk like, well, are they going to take the best player that's still on the board? And at that point, we figured it was probably going to be Max Clark or Walker Jenkins. We all thought uh, Wyatt Langford from Florida would go to the Tigers at three. And we weren't sure which way it was going to go. In fact, my last mock, I switched gears and gave him the college player. Um, I don't think I would have had Walker Jenkins there anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't have had him going earlier, but mm-hmm. uh, kudos to their scouting staff for taking the guy who was the best player. And he is very, very talented. Again, another guy, they're getting a number one overall pick caliber player who can really hit. He's got a ton of power. Uh, he improved his, his speed uh, and his athleticism this year, so he's got a good chance to play center field. Um, I He's another high school that I could see starting near in Lowe and making his way to Cedar Rapids before next year is over. I mean, there would be no harm if he went one station at a time at the beginning of his career, but he has a chance to be a very, very special hitter. And then they got a high school pitcher with the next pick in Charlie Soto. The guy I think Cedar Rapids will see sooner rather than later is Luke Keyshaw at Arizona State, uh, who they got in the second round. I really like him. Uh, he's, you know... He's one of these college performers, and he's a second baseman only probably, although he's athletic, so maybe he can play the outfield, but he can really, really hit. I think he's one of these guys that's going to – his bat's going to carry him through pretty quickly. They'll have to figure out what position he, he's, he's going to play. I'm not going to say he's, he's uh, Eddie Julian because uh, it's a different profile, 
uh, and he's probably a more athletic, but it's that kind of like, wow, this guy can really hit, and that's going to help him move. By the way, I have to commend you guys. You guys do such a great job with covering not only the draft and everything leading up to it, but also who's signed and who hasn't. I mean, a lot of people uh, probably would just throw that under the rug like and don't even notice how important that is, but I got to commend you guys on that hard work as well. Just had to throw that out. Well, there. I appreciate I, I appreciate that out. Uh, appreciate that shout out, and uh, I think the lion's share of the credit goes to to my colleague Jim Callis. He he works he works it hard. I get some information. He gets a ton of information. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he tends to be the go to, um, especially because I snuck away on vacation yeah. six days after the draft was over. So uh, he was really all over it and picked up my slack as well. Yeah, you even had to take a quick break from vacation to announce one. So respect the grind. That's right. Respect the grind. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was one close to my my heart and my family here in Pittsburgh. So that's why I had to shout that one out. Absolutely. So a team that I was really interested to see how they would draft because they're a team that has definitely played some great baseball, kind of unprecedented, too. Um, They got, you know, young prospects in Ellie De La Cruz, obviously, and Carnarcion. The Cincinnati Reds, before – I mean, blink, blink of an eye, and they are right in the midst of a division race and a team that is supposed mm-hmm. to be rebuilding and retooling their entire team and farm system. But look at them now and have agreed to terms with top 17 picks. Uh, I think surprised a couple of people with the pick of Rhett Louder, the right-handed pitcher out of Wake Forest. Um, but what do, what do you know about Louder from Wake Forest? He's going to move fast. Mm-hmm. Um, don't blink in the Midwest League. Uh, if you told me he'd go straight to double A next year, yep. I'd I might believe you. And the Reds certainly have not shied away from when they've had a college pitcher, you know, an advanced college pitcher pushing them pretty quick. Now, maybe he, he starts, you know, uh, in Dayton, but, uh, you know, moves pretty quickly from there. You know, or they may let him start in, in, uh, where's their low ways at Daytona still? Mm-hmm. Uh, I lose track, but, uh, you know, let him start in the warm weather a little bit and then work his way. But, He's got such an advanced feel for pitching. His name was in their mix, and I think the way the top six went, it made sense that that's what they did. Um, but he, you know, he is a guy who he's got plenty of good now stuff. It's funny, you know, because of uh, Skeen, you know, Paul Skeens, and even Chase Dolander has better pure stuff. We always think of Ladder as the safer pick with you know the better feel for pitching. He's got a better feel for pitching than Dolander and had a better year. His stuff is plenty good. You know, don't get me wrong. It's, this is not a guy who you're going to worry about. You know, he's a, a soft tosser. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he has a chance to have multiple plus pitches, and he knows how to pitch. And coming out of that Wake Forest pitching lab, I, he's going to move pretty quickly. And then the guy they got in the competitive bounce on Ty Floyd. If anyone watched the College World Series, they yeah. know who Ty Floyd is. Um, he had that huge but 17-strikeout performance in, the, in Omaha. And he's another guy who I think has a chance to move relatively quickly. And they were able to save some money on both of them and then kind of go after some, some high school guys a little bit later. Uh, Sammy Stafford, the shortstop from New York, and Cole Schoenwetter is a high school right-hander uh, out of California, are two sort of first-round-ish talents who they were able to get in rounds two and four because of how they drafted at the top. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of guys that could be spending some time with the Dayton Dragons, of course, the minor league, the Midwest League team for the Cincinnati Reds. But also another thing, I'm glad you mentioned that Rhett Lauder has a couple of, you know, plus pitches like his changeup and his slider, I think, are it's talked about. 
But I think those are two pitches that I think he's going to improve any, even more and just become even better at the next level. He is a guy that, and not to mention, he's got the best hair, right? Well, I don't know if you've seen a picture of me. Anyone with hair at all is impressive <laughs> to me. Um, but yes, uh, that he's got quite the flow going. I'm just amazed it doesn't get in his way. Um, but uh, yeah, it seems to it seems to work for him. The funny thing is, like you see the hair, and you, you expect a guy who's going to be kind of like leave it all out there, you know, super high energy, full effort, and it's pretty it's smooth. You know, he he he's hugely hugely competitive. I like I I kid, but yeah, that changeup may have been the best one of the best change-ups in all of college baseball. Mm-hmm. And listen, the fastball touches 96-97. Um, he, he, does, he doesn't miss bats with it that much because it's more, more sync. Uh, and then that slider, I think, will continue to get better. That's the pitch that it's plus at times, and it's yeah. trending up. So I think you're right. So, you know, he'll probably learn to throw consistently harder. Mm-hmm. And even if he doesn't, that's plenty um, you know, and he, he is who he is in terms of size. There's not a ton of projection, mm-hmm. but if he ends up, say, sitting around 95, 96 with a plus changeup and a plus slider, yeah, that's going to be pretty good in the, in the Reds rotation. Another team that has been playing some pretty good ball at the major league level and a minor league team as well that has been playing pretty good ball, but the Miami Marlins have signed 20 of their 21 draft picks um, and their minor league team that I've been watching all throughout this season as well, the Beloit Sky Carp, who are in the midst of a Midwest League West division run right now, only uh, three games back. But I got look at the Marlins pick. They had the 10th overall pick, and they got a nice right-handed pitcher, um, Noble Meyer. Um, I know there's been a lot of hype behind him. The 18-year-old went, I think he went 10-1 and with a .33 ERA and over 100 strikeouts. Tell us a little bit of what you know about Noble Meyer. Yeah, I really like Noble Meyer. I mean, the, the numbers is you quoted in high school, it's almost unfair. You know, it's from the Pacific Northwest in Oregon and the competition is not great all around with all the high schools there, but I saw him pitch over the summer. I saw him at the night national high school invitational. Uh, he is really, really good. And you know, not only is he projectable at six foot five, it's the same high school Mick Abel went to the Phillies prospect, but his understanding of things like pitch design and analytics he almost he talks about pitching like he's a college guy, and I think that might allow him to move a little bit faster than your typical high school pitcher. And he's got really, really good now stuff, and that's just going to get better. And then because they saved money on Noble Meyer, they were able to get the best prep left-hander mm-hmm. in the class, and Thomas White from Massachusetts, uh, who is big, six foot five lefty, really, really nasty stuff. Probably will have to refine his command. But he's athletic and, and you know he's got a good delivery, so I think it's it's all going to be there. So uh, you know, it's probably going to be a little while before you see those those two in, in the Midwest League. And my guess is the Marlins will kind of have them try to develop together, uh, which is always a good thing uh, when you can have two young arms kind of move through together. And they've done a nice job of developing arms. And then if you're looking for help in the Midwest League this summer. Uh, you know, they did draft some interesting college bats in Kemp Alderman from Ole Miss, Brock Brandenburg from Michigan State, uh, and even Jake DeLeo from, from Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, two outfielders and a first base type guy who mm-hmm. could help out as soon as this summer. Yeah, and Kemp Alderman as well, the outfielder from uh, Ole Miss. Got to see a lot of him, too. Took him in the second round. Um, a kid that hit, I think it was 19 home runs in that junior season, so another kid that could yeah. possibly 
be seen. Yeah, in he, the- no, he's got right. I'm sorry. He, yeah, he's got some serious power. Mm-hmm. He's drawn com- some comparisons to Hunter Renfro mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, um, just uh, mostly because you know the the physicality. He's big and sort of six three two fifty. Um, he he's done better at you know keeping his swing short, so I think he's going to get to that power. Uh, so you know, he'll always strike out some, but there are some very very good tools. Not to mention a plus arm. He was ninety four yeah. off the mound uh, when he when he used to pitch. Um, you know, so he caught a little bit, and so it'll be interesting to see what the Marlins want to do. I probably would just let him go to the outfield, let that power bat carry him to the big leagues, but we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So a team that is also in the midst of a Midwest League East run, the Great Lakes Loons, who haven't been playing the greatest balls of late, three and seven in the last 10, three-game losing streak, and the lineup hasn't been putting a lot of runs up. But luckily for them, a couple of draft picks at the top, you know, a couple outfielders that both have good projectable bats. Kendall George, the outfielder out of high school, um, a lot of hype he was signed. Um, the 36 overall pick, the Dodgers. So obviously a team that was talked a lot about with Otani, um, which isn't happening now. There's no trade. They took them off the market. But a Dodgers team that's farm system, they're still trying to retool um, a little bit as a lot of guys they bought now, definitely tried to win now and lost a lot of guys in recent trades. But Kendall George at the top of the Dodgers, any other draft picks you look at that could be possibly spending a little time with the Great Lakes Loons? Yeah, Kevin George is interesting. You know, was, you know they had to wait till thirty six mm-hmm. to make their first pick. Their their draft pick got dropped ten spots because they exceeded the the luxury tax threshold mm-hmm. um, by a certain amount. And um, yeah, they could still sign Otami in the off season, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Kendall George may be the fastest player in the draft, at least as fast as any high school player. I'd like to see him in Dylan Head race. That would be uh, <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. We'll have to sort of see. I mean, he can run and he can steal bases. Not a lot of strength there, so it may take him a little time. He's added some already, um, but he he hits the ball on the ground a lot. The guy, the guy that I think will probably see Great Lakes sooner is Jake Geloff, who they got mm. in the second round. He, his name sort of had popped up some in uh, uh, in first round talks or comp round talks. His, his brother Zach is with the Oakland A's. Um, Ton of power. He doesn't do it like if you watch a swing, people may think, I, I don't I don't know how that's gonna work. He's very aggressive, he looks to do damage, mm-hmm. especially to the pull side. He takes big swings, but he doesn't he didn't strike out a ton. He draws some walks. You know, my guess is once he gets into the pro game, it may be more of a power over hit profile. Um, we'll see where he plays defensively, send him out as a third baseman. Um, he may not stay there. He could play first. He's played there before, but the power bat's going to allow him to move through that system. Yeah, we still got a few teams left as well to talk about. The Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the Midwest League team, their MLB team, the Milwaukee Brewers, I know had a big pick. I'm a big Wake Forest guy. I, always, I just love their program. So when they produce a guy like Brock Wilkin, the third baseman, take, taking number 18 with the Milwaukee Brewers, anybody, um, not to mention, I know there was a lot of hype for the, the pitcher. Um, that they took in high school. I think it was the 33rd pick that they had to wait to grab yeah. him. But what about the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers? Anybody the Brewers pick that could be spending a little time there? Yeah. I mean, they, they had a really interesting draft. I kind of like what they did. Um, like, started, not starting with the, like, they got Eric Batanti in the third round. They went over slot to, to get him. And he's, like, super tooled up, big, athletic, 
huge high ceiling. And then they got Cooper Pratt in the sixth round. Anyone who watched the draft knows that that's one of Jim's favorite players. <laughs> really, really talented high school shortstop um, out of Mississippi. And you know, so they got some high-end guys. It may take a little while to get to Wisconsin. Wilkin, my guess, will you know could go straight there either this summer or or next year uh, to, to start the year. The thing I think it was most about his power is unquestionable. Um, he has you know set records with homers at Wake Forest. But what made it really interesting this year is that he drew more walks. He made better swing decisions. He cut down on the strikeouts. Um, all of that points to more confidence that he's going to be able to get to the power at the next level. Um, and I think he's got a good chance to, to play third for, for a long time. He's not going to wow you with super athleticism or anything, but he's got a really strong arm. He's got good hands um, and good footwork. So I think it's all going to work for that sort of power-hitting corner infield profile. Absolutely. And one of the hottest teams right now in the Midwest League is the Lake County Captains and a team that continued that success within the draft. Um, I think had a great draft, took in the first round the third catcher off the board, Ralphie Velasquez, the catcher from Huntington Beach in high school. Um, big contract for him and probably well-deserved. A kid that I know is a left-handed hitter and hits you know, for both power and average, um, has some incredible arm strength behind the plate, has great size, especially for a high schooler. I think he's like 6'3", almost 220. I mean, a big kid, big kid here for catcher for the Guardians. But what do you think of their draft? It's a little mixed for me. Their their draft overall. You know, at the top, I liked that they were kind of aggressive. Uh, I really like Ralphie Bluff because I saw him at the National High School Invitational. Uh, he loves to compete. He's a leader. He wants to prove to everyone he can catch. I would give him every opportunity to do that. He plays a good first base if he needed to move there, or if he wanted to, you know, sort of have him play a little, you know, a little bit of of both as the guardians have been known to do, but it's that bat. I mean, he's got a really advanced approach. He, he knows how to hit. He, he can tweak over tweak. Sometimes he, he likes to fiddle with his stance and things like that. So uh, we'll see, you know, once he gets to the pro level, how that transpires, because that can get you into trouble with the first time you struggle in pro ball. But I, I tend to figure it out. And then Alex Clemmy, they got in the second round mm-hmm. who pure stuff wise was as good as just about any high school pitcher, he's left-handed from Rhode Island. He's a little raw, and the command needs some work. Um, but the Guardians have been really, really good at working with pitchers. And then after that, they kind of took a lot of similar profile college hitters who can hit, and you're not sure what their profile is beyond that, but they make a lot of contact. They draw walks. Uh, so they got like a, a slew of players like that, so I think you'll probably see a lot of them in Lake County um, as early as you know this summer, if not if not then opening day of next year. Yeah, so we still we got uh, four teams left to cover here before we let you go, and definitely got something else to plug because you got a fantastic book. All right. Before we got a book that is coming out that I want a lot of people to check out, but we got to talk about the Pure Chiefs, St. Louis Cardinals, a team that I think needed to knock out this draft and probably more to come because they have been. Not a great team, and a lot of people expected them to be. But I think knocked it out of the park in the first round. You get an outfielder that is a great hitter, hit for over 350, hit 20 home runs. Chase Davis out of Arizona with the first-round pick. What are you looking at for the Cardinals draft that could spend a little time in Peora? Yeah, I mean, they went very, very college-heavy. So you're going to see you know, a lot of those guys you know, start the year, even the arms that you probably won't see 
this summer could start the year uh, in Peoria, uh, depending on personnel and you know how it gets backlogged. But Chase Davis is really interesting because he took a huge step forward this year, mm-hmm. and uh, his name was being mentioned, you know, as high as the middle of the round. Um, but it was always hard to figure out who was going to take him, and I think the Cardinals did well to take him. I, he's got power. He moves well for for a bigger guy. Um, you know, maybe give him a chance to play center, but I think the the power will work uh, in the outfield corner. Travis Honeyman, who they got in the third round, they didn't have a second round pick out of Boston College, is really intriguing. He got hurt, so I think it really uh, really kind of hurt him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there's good bat to ball skills. He doesn't strike out. He's just learning to tap into his power. Um, you know, maybe average when all of a sudden done. He runs pretty well. I think he has a chance to play center. Um, very St. Louis Cardinals-ish kind of pick, just I think because he's a college performer, he got hurt. And then that Quinn Matthews in the fourth round. And people who may you know follow college baseball may know him because mm-hmm. you know right now he's known as the guy who threw 156 pitches, mm-hmm. you know, in that postseason start. I'm not <laughs> worried about that at all. I'm not really worried about that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he really knows how to pitch. He's got also another guy with a really good changeup, feel for pitching. Not a huge ceiling, mm-hmm. uh, but he's a six-five lefty. Again, another sort of prototypical Cardinals college arm who should be able to move pretty quickly. Absolutely. And speaking of moving quickly, the South Bend Cubs, of course, minor league, Midwest League team for the Chicago Cubs, who have signed all their draft picks. And three, I've only got three right on my mock draft going into the draft, and this was one of them. Pick number 13, and that, and that includes the top two, which everybody probably got right. But I, I got Matt Shaw right. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, a lot of people might have had Cruz first, <laughs> but I, I think I think Schemes was the right one at number one. I got lucky with the Oh, I do. With, in the end, I do. Yeah, I agree. I got Matt Shaw right at number 13. I knew the Cubs were going to take this guy. He just he had Cubs all over him. He had Midwest all over him. Big 10 player of the year. Hits great. Is great at the plate. The shortstop out of Maryland. The Cubs. Anybody that we could see in South Bend? Oh, he'll be in South Bend. I mean, you could put him there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he can really hit. It's It gets a little difficult because Maryland's such a good place to hit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's We'll see what the power looks like, um, but he's got opposite field pop. He also was the Cape Cod League MVP, which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. He's going to hit, and then it's a question of like, well, how much power is there going to be? I think he probably ends up playing second base mm. um, yeah, when all is said and done. I think you could send him out at short if you'd like, sure, and you never know. Mm-hmm. I've seen plenty of guys, yeah. I'm like, that guy's not going to play shortstop, and then there they are in the big leagues playing shortstop. Right. So it, you know his his arm is a little a little shy uh, for me to play shortstop every day and now without the shifting that may matter more but I don't think it's going to matter he could be that really he, he's a good defender at second base and he'll be that offensive minded second baseman type um, you know who has a chance to be kind of similar to his to the guy who also came out of Maryland Brandon Lowe. Nice, nice. We got two teams left. So the Kansas City Royals. Picked at number eight, of course. That is the major league team for the Quad City River Bandits, who are at the bottom right now, the Midwest League West. But took the first catcher off the board at number eight, Blake Mitchell, um, the catcher I know, high schooler out of Texas. What can what can you tell us about him and any other guys that could be spending a little time in Quad Cities? Yeah, I, the Royals now for a couple drafts in a row have gone after sort of a high end high school talent 
and, you know, cut a deal to save money with that first pick. Now, Frank Mazzucato was the left-handed pitcher they took last year, and uh, he, you know, arguably, you know, pre-drafted the, the best prospect in the system. And Mitchell was the best high school catcher in the draft, and he's really talented. The high school catching is a tough mm-hmm. demographic. Uh, and if he hadn't gone eight, it was like I didn't know where he was going to go. Not because he doesn't have abilities. He's a left-handed hitter. He can really hit. He's going to hit for average in power. He was committed to go to LSU. Um, he works counts. He's, he's going to hit. He could play an outfield corner if catching doesn't work out. But he's athletic and agile behind the plate. I think he's going to receive fine. He's got a really strong arm mm-hmm. to the point where he was a you know pretty good pitcher. All I mean, like a legitimate pitching prospect. You know, he was up to ninety-seven off the mound. So he's interesting with that. High school catching is risky, and then because they saved money on him, they were able to go well over slot and get Blake Walters, um, was a big projectable right-hander of the high school ranks in Illinois mm-hmm. in in the second round. So you know, they they kind of went high-end upside with their. First two picks, and then in the third round, Hira Wyatt, uh, also another high schooler with a really quick arm. Um, you know, out of, out of Connecticut, uh, they went over slot for him in the third round. And lastly, in the Midwest League, the bottom of the Midwest League East, we got the Lansing Lug Nuts, who definitely need a lot. Um, the, a farm system that is, you know, you know how the, everybody knows how the A's work at this point. Um, you know, a team that we don't even know is going to be in Oakland or not. Uh, moving forward, but it's a farm system that definitely needs some young hitters, and they got one, a shortstop, Grand Canyon University, Jacob Wilson, number six, a uh, great draft pick. A lot of people are high on him, and Miles Naylor, a third baseman, uh, a pick number 39. What can you tell us about the athletics draft and who could be spending a little time with Lansing? I actually, you know, I like what they did uh, at the at the top. They were a little aggressive after they went kind of with the model college player mm-hmm. and saved, you know, saved money, but Jacob Wilson is very good. Um, I think the one question was about uh, his impact, right? He, he doesn't strike out. People want to go, go check out his strikeout numbers at Grand Canyon University. Like, literally, you can count on one hand the amount of times he struck out this year. Um, his, his dad, Jack, played in the big leagues a long time. He can really play shortstop. So, at the very least, you're getting a, an above-average-plus defender who's going to make a ton of contact and get on base. If he impacts the ball more, then he's even more special. Miles mm-hmm. Naylor, the last name sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. That's Josh and, and Bo's youngest brother. Wow. Some people think he, he's the best brother of the three. Wow. Um, but sort of a mix between the two of them um, and not a catcher. Uh, never, you know, so you don't have to worry about, well, is he going to catch or is he not going to catch? <laughs> uh, I think third base is probably a, a good spot for him when all is said and done. Um, so you'll see Jacob Wilson and then their second round pick Ryan Lasco out of Lasco out of Rutgers mm-hmm. sooner in the Midwest League, and then Miles Naylor. You know that they they got in a good spot, and then they got Stephen Echeverria from New Jersey and Cole Miller from California. And those are two sort of interesting high school right handers. They went over slot both times to get those two. Um, Echeverria's got a good feel for pitching and started to throw harder this spring. You know, those Northeast high school guys, you never know how much they can take off once they're in pro ball and playing year-round and not in the cold weather. And Cole Miller's got some serious projection. He's a six-foot-six right-hander from California with a lot, a lot of upside. 
Jonathan Mayo from MLB Pipeline covering all the teams. I know it was a lot, but I really appreciate you for doing that for us, covering the Midwest League teams. Always love having you. But guess what? You got a great book coming out. and The link is in the description, folks, if you want to place that order now, which I highly advise that you do. Because this book, I, I, I got mine ready to go. Already ordered mine. Smart, Wrong, and Lucky, the origin stories of baseball's unexpected stars, written by the one and only Jonathan Mayo. Go ahead and pub your book and tell people exactly what they can expect with this book. Yeah, well, we, you know, we, we spent a lot of time just now talking about guys at, you know, mostly at the top of the draft. But we all know, and people who go to Midwest League games have seen you know, every year mm-hmm. players who stand out and then go on to become big league stars who were not the, the big names or the big prospects in, in their draft years. And that's what this book you know, is, a, is a story of. It's, it's really shining a light on the work that scouts do and telling these stories mostly through their lens uh, of – guys who were underappreciated or undervalued mm-hmm. uh, in the draft who managed to get drafted. And, you know, so I try to tell the story of how they were discovered, how they were evaluated, how they were drafted and signed. Uh, and then, you know, then the players, to their credit, went on and far exceeded the expectations that went along with being a ninth-round pick, a 13th-round pick, a yeah. 17th-round pick, whatever it, may, whatever it may be. So is this the first book you've written? I wrote a book in 2008 talking to hitters about what it was like facing Roger Clemens ah. uh, at various stages of his career, okay. um, which, you know, I enjoyed writing that book. Um, it was at the printer when the Mitchell report came out, so oh. it was bad timing. Yeah. Um, but this one, this one was a little bit more of a, of a passion project for me um, because I spent so much time talking to scouts and I so respect what they do. Um, and, you know, to their credit, I gave all of them an opportunity to, you know, so why, you know, now's your chance. Tell me you knew Jacob deGrom was going to be mm-hmm. the best pitcher on the planet when you took him in the ninth round. <laughs> um, and, you know, you knew Albert Pujols was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer <laughs> when you took him in the 13th round. Right. And they're all too smart. They're, they've all been humbled and been wrong too much that, uh, that they wouldn't bite. But uh, still, in each of these stories, there was – at least one scout who saw something mm-hmm. in a player wow. that, you know, that enabled those players to, to get an opportunity. I didn't focus on the player development side or the, yeah. you know, the work that the player obviously had to put in. Although I, you know, I talked to in, in almost every case, talked to the player who, who, who was being focused on, but a lot of those guys went through the Midwest league and a lot more will. Absolutely. Jonathan Mayo, MLB Pipeline, joining us, of course, the podcast. Follow all his work, MLB.com as well. See him on MLB Network. Jonathan, thank you so much for taking so much time with us today. Keep in touch, and I look forward to the book, okay? All right, thanks very much. All right, thank you. Take care. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to the Midwest Swing Podcast. I am your host, D.C. Hendricks. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites to keep up with everything that we got, all things Midwest League. We love baseball. We love it all. And that's why we are covering it right here on this podcast. So go ahead and subscribe. Follow us on social media, Midwest Swing Pod. And I am at DC Hendricks, an official DC Hendricks on Instagram. Just search and you will find. Until next time, everybody, peace and love.